Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb, and I think we're just going to go over the news today, buddy. What do you think? Love a good news show as we get our hot takes in and break down all the latest information, of which there has been much. We've been very distracted by Streets of New Capanna. I'd like to talk about that a little bit as well. Right now we're we're on Wednesday, so we don't have access to the new set yet. I believe it drops on uh, various platforms come tomorrow. So you'll have to wait till next week until you get our insights on how early stages of Constructed are going, our takes on the sealed format. All that stuff will come next week. But for now, we're news focused. Dude, we're not going to talk about sealed. Come on. Uh, I mean, what if we win the tournament? Then we have to at least tell people we won the tournament. If you win a tournament and don't tell people about it, why did you even bother? Um, Because it's. About I already self. know you don't you don't believe what you're saying. Whatever you're no, about to say, you don't not. believe I'm, it. I'm make, that's why it's taking so long is because I'm just Obviously. making it up. Uh, it, it is supposed to feel good for yourself. No, Brian. nothing feels good for myself. Let's be and, serious. And to just know that you have accomplished something and you have reached your goal. And that is for you to decide, not for someone else to decide. I am in it for the trophy picture and the retweets and likes only. I need outside validation. Nothing will make me feel better about myself, so I instead mask it in the praise of internet strangers. That's what we're looking to do here. I am going to throw my trophy in the garbage if we Okay. Win. So no, that's fine. there we go. First up, I did write an article. Uh, it has been a, a rough month, buddy, and <laughs> I am trying to get back into the swing of things and making content and whatnot, and I think that'll start after this weekend. I have like too much stuff to get done this week before we leave for Pittsburgh and we're, I'm leaving tomorrow. Right. So not a lot of time, but I did manage to get an article out, uh, arena or.com. If you, uh, just reflexively type that in that works too. And wrote about some obnix list decks for standard. I think that, you know, it was our number one card. I feel like the, the chatter also made it seem like other people felt the same. And, We'll talk about the streamer showcase a little bit later, but uh, yeah, just threw some deck lists out there. I thought that they're all pretty solid. And then it was like, okay, even after I finished this now, my mind is like going to work on like a couple other different things. So I'm going to be interested by that. I just, I need to know that we have like some standard stuff coming down the pipeline and I'm not convinced that we do. Well, maybe I can sell you with our, our news recap. Maybe there'll be something there that entices you a little bit to play a bit of standard with the type of stakes that draws people like us into the mix. But if you're talking like real hard events that you can participate in, no, they're not there yet. I I, I can't point you towards anything like that, but I do think the opportunities for play in whatever your format is are ever expanding right now. And hopefully you find something that makes you be like, I I have to enter the standard tournament, but yeah, I I get you nothing there yet. Yeah. I want to see like once the, the local PTQ formats start getting announced, you know? Yep. And I think they are going to probably focus on non-rotating formats. I just think they hit better with players at this point. And I, you know, it used to be you ran a standard tournament because that's what you expected people to come to. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think if you do standard versus either Pioneer or Modern, you're probably cutting down your player base. So I expect that standard will be a rare but somewhat present feature of the local PPTQ scene. If nothing else, there's just like legacy store owners who right. 
are just running their brick and mortar store. They don't like engage with all of this. And they don't really know that you don't do it in standard anymore. And I think they'll just default to it a lot of times because you did for so many years. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the important thing to note is that when standard is a large part of the ecosystem, it means that people probably have at least a lingering interest in it and will be paying attention, maybe trying to keep up with like cards and decks and whatnot. And I, I guess the same is true for like Pioneer and Modern too, right? Mm-hmm. But for Standard specifically, it's like it, we we just haven't had a reason to be playing it. And I can't imagine that there are that many people who have been keeping up with it in paper. So yeah, I would I would definitely recommend against holding Standard events, but it's same. just like, what's like the reverse of the chicken or egg thing? It's just like, well, you keep like not holding Standard events and then that perpetuates, right? No, you're you're exactly right. And it's going to come down to like what moves products, what gets people into stores. It's hard for me to believe that once standard has lapsed, that's ever the thing again. It's, it, you just can't rebuild that because yeah. like you had a ebb and flow and sort of habitual attachment to standard releases. But when you're like, wait, I don't have to refresh my collection every three months and you know it doesn't cost me... I don't even know what you would spend on a new standard product. Were you looking to have every card in standard? It, it was a lot, but that expense is now mostly gone and you just play these non-rotating formats. And maybe you do have to buy singles every now and then, you know, update your deck with some some new cards from the latest set. But it's very different having to have everything in the set so you can participate in the standard format because a lot of these cards won't make it to older formats. Right. And I've definitely not felt bad about, you know, basically not really having to buy magic cards during the yeah. pandemic. I mean, obviously... There was like arena and playing in Magic Online events and everything, but I mean for for standard stuff, like I, I just have nothing. And I I used to be you know either buy singles if like the set was very light, or if I thought that there was like a lot of good stuff, I would buy multiple boxes. You know. Yep. Same. Yeah, I haven't felt the need to do that. Although I do own one foil mono white aggro deck. Oh right. So, but that uh, was because there was a tournament. There was a tournament. I went 0-4 in that tournament, so maybe not my best purchase. But it's it's here somewhere in my room, uh, still foily, still shiny, still sleeved up. I don't know. I guess I should put it away at some point. Uh, it sounds like it has been put away. But mentally, it's certainly been put yeah. away. So anyway, wrote, wrote about Standard. Did, did not seem like there was a ton of interest in it, which I totally get. And it was just like topical, right? So I had to get it out. And I think... The the rest of the stuff that I have on the docket will be very cognizant of that fact that like standard is not where people's heads are at right now. Yeah, the definitely the collective seems very focused on modern pioneer. Pioneer is hot in the streets right now. Although I'm starting to see like the first seeds of dissent in the pioneer community. Like now that's getting some of that focus, I'm seeing some people being like, man, eh, maybe this isn't all I thought it was. But yeah, it's it's honestly not great right now. Poor timing, I guess, for a focus on Pioneer. And now you have to start asking questions like, well, does the format need curation at this moment where it's getting focused? Do you want to give it some time and let these things play out? If you start curating a format that maybe people were just like, okay, I'm willing to buy into Pioneer now, then you have that old problem again. So I think the time for curation probably has passed. You wanted to do that before you sort of raised interest in it again, but there's still a lot of cards out there in Pioneer that I'm not sure what they're doing in the format. I'm not sure they make anyone's lives better by existing. So agreed. Uh, if you see them as a feature, then sure. I, you know, everyone wants something different. 
out of their gameplay, but it's really hard for me to think like Lotus Field benefits anyone by existing. <laughs> well, they, they just made a pre-con with it, so... Yeah, I know they did. You know, I like sideways decks. I like combo decks. I think combo should exist. Lotus Field is is gross, though. It's just not engaging with magic in a normal state. That stuff is good every now and then. It depends what you're trying to do with your format, though. If you want it to be like your mass acceptance format, I don't think that's a good thing. If you want it to be a niche format, which is kind of how Pioneer was setting itself up, I'm all for it. But you have to ask, like, what player base are we serving? And if your goal is to, like, have FNMs become Pioneer events, I don't think you want people showing up and getting just decimated by Lotus Field. That's really bad. No, there just needs to be better tools, like things that are good against it that are not just like, well, I'm drawing dead game one and then I side in, you know, three Alpine Moons or Damping Spheres or whatever and hope that's enough to carry me. Like that, that sort of gameplay I do not enjoy. And that's a great point is that if you're making this your focal competitive format, like when does development switch to focusing on these issues instead? Yeah. Like when do you start specifically testing more Pioneer than you do Standard? Because at at least, you know, as as long as you or, or I have done anything with Wizards, the focus has always been on Standard in development with like exceptions of modern focus sets such as Modern Horizons. But the discussion always revolves around standard. How long is that practical? How long does that make sense to keep doing things that way? Depends on how things go, right? Yeah. I mean, if standard starts falling out of favor, then maybe it's just like, hey, okay, you two, you know, keep keep an eye on Pioneer, right? And that is kind of your job. And like you two, maybe think about modern a little bit more and we'll try and aggressively slot these things in or maybe nuke some stuff that would negatively impact those formats. But yeah, I think you got to figure out what you want the format to look like. And if it is just like, okay, you have this like very, uh, at least like the older versions, now they're a little bit different, but like the the very heavy graveyard centric Phoenix decks. And then you have like this land-based Lotus Field combo deck. And then like, yeah, there are some control decks and some pure aggro decks or whatever, but it's like everything is existing on extreme ends of the polls. Yeah. right now and there's not a whole lot of room for in between and there needs to be some stuff to like pull things more towards the middle or at least make those mid-rangey decks a little bit more viable more successful yeah you know what's really interesting about that argument is that they did that in modern they did it successfully i i believe i think with especially modern horizons too in a bad way but yeah like all right I, there's some argument that it's in a bad way i understand what you're saying but ultimately like the goal of making the format more about interaction and mid-range magic and actually feeling like there was some back and forth to play and not just two ships in the night. They achieved that. They they did that via some very heavy-handed design, but design that I would call successful nonetheless for their goals. So th- there's just a question, like, if you start doing this for Pioneer, can you do the same thing there? Do you want to do the same thing there? Does every format have to be homogenous and like push towards the same goal? Or do you want these weird outliers? And these are all questions that I I don't feel like they've fully wrapped their heads around yet. Yeah. And and just the focus that. on like continuing to, you know, what's what's driving your sales right now? It feels like it's commander, certainly. I mean, commander above everything else. After that, I would say modern. So why is everything still a focal point of like this gets introduced through the standard lens? It feels like it's really inhibiting a lot of things at this point. Yeah, it just depends on what organized play ends up focusing on. Yeah. Because if there are a lot of standard tournaments or if 
arena start forces you starts forcing you to play standard all the time or or whatever, then it it means that people are just going to have to get invested in that whether they want to or not. Right. And so if they do that, then it's like okay, yeah, we just keep focusing on standard for FFL. That's fine, but. The more it branches out into things like Pioneer, the more attention that they should be willing to pay to pay towards it. But, Do you think they still have like the cachet to you, you said they just invest in it whether they want to or not? Does organized play still have that pull or is it going to be engaging with organized play in a way that like works for you? And are the standard things just going to flop despite their ties to organized play? I don't know. It's interesting. We'll see. I mean. I think that there's a lot of apprehension still for getting out to events and, you know, how, how safe they are, what like, you know, your, your risk model is, or your harm reduction model is things like that. Like those things definitely matter more because right now I think it's like the people who are showing up to the events would probably show up to the events regardless of what format they were, just because a lot of people want to battle. Mm -hmm. So Right now, it's mostly separated into the camp of like, I will go to this event no matter what it is. And the people who are like, eh, probably not, unless it's like really close or I know my friends are going or there's, you know, some excuse you can make. Right. So it's hard to say, like, uh, assume that somehow everything is back to normal and it's just like, you know, you don't need like, say, say COVID just disappeared overnight. Right. And it was like, okay, we're back to having like 4000 player GPs or whatever. Yeah. Like, is a standard Grand Prix going to have significantly fewer people than a modern GP? I I don't know. I would expect so. But if they start running standard GPs, obviously the amount of people that are interested in standard is going to go up. Yeah. Your point of like a chicken or the egg situation is very, very fair. Like if there's if there's no events, of course, there's no interest. Uh, if there's no interest, of course, there's no events. So I'm not sure how you break out of that cycle. It's going to going to be an interesting few months of magic for sure. Yeah, I mean modern is is great like that, right? Because it it was created from nothing. People got invested, they bought into it, and now it's just this thing that you can't get rid of. For for better or for worse. I think it's mostly for better, but like if you as a local store or someone running organized play were just like, "Ah, oh, we're going to scale back on modern." Like the people are not really going to care. They're going to continue to play modern, however, which way they see fit, whether it is just like talking to their local store owners because they have, you know, 50 to 100 entrenched modern players there. It's like, hey, you know, pay attention to us. We, right. we have we have money. We want to come in, like host modern events or or whatever. It's just like you, you can't get rid of those folks. But I think that standard is definitely a format where, well, if, if you don't pay attention to it and you kind of phase it out either through you know, pandemic quarantines and organized play not existing or just like choosing to not have it, then it could just disappear. And then like, what does that mean for your ecosystem? I don't know. Yeah. One thing that's interesting there is like the relative spending amounts you get from having an entrenched modern crowd at your store versus having an entrenched standard crowd. Just thinking about like when standard was a thing, you sold a lot of singles via standard before every FNM people are buying cards for their deck. Does that happen as much in the modern context? I don't think so. I think Certainly things are not. like a lot no. more static. So if you were to ask store owners which world they preferred, I mean, probably just like Commander Pods, quite frankly, is the world they prefer. Just fill the entire store with Commander Pods. But when you're debating standard and modern, I think there's a lot of arguments that store owners benefit more from the standard side of things if attendance is equal. A yeah. big, big, huge if there. I mean, you, you can't bank on... Magic players to buy singles from you 
as 100% of your business model, right? I mean, not not to go like too deep into the weeds here. Or no, whatever, no, of course, just, like, not. of course you know, not. You know, you you got to have things on hand, whether it's like pop figures or snacks and soda and stuff like that, food uh, for for people to buy that, it, you know, it's just like uh, impulse buys, basically. Yep. Because, yeah, if, if a modern person has one deck, obviously there's only so much that they can expand and, and try within that framework. Obviously, they're maybe going to try new cards when they see like a new build of it or whatever. But for the most part, it's like how, how many cards are they going to buy on average week to week? It's like 0.5. Yeah. I mean, the, the question becomes like, do they push to a new deck at some point? And then does like the relative cost of that new deck comparative to the relative cost of a new deck in standard, does the fact that it happens less frequently get masked by the fact that the cards are just way more expensive? Yeah. I have no clue. I, I, I couldn't even guess. But it's all it's all very interesting to me. The economics of it are... I'm sure if you've listened to me talk about it enough, you know, like I find this stuff fascinating and the human behaviors that are driven by all these things are all fascinating to me. So I could literally talk about it forever. I don't know if anyone likes when we talk about it forever, but I do. So thank you for uh, indulging me in this, this economics discussion. I like talking about it too. I think that there is probably an alternate universe where I do own a store. Sure. Yeah. I've had the thoughts. I've, I've even taken meetings where like I've, I was exploring the option. I, I don't think it's the right thing for me. I don't th- think it's the right way for me to engage with gaming. And that's ultimately where I came out on it. But you're exactly right. There have been moments where it seemed like that was the path I was going to go. Yeah, I mean, part of the problem is that it, these problems are very apparent and do exist. And I did not have like slam dunk solutions for them. Like there, there's me a neither. lot of things where I'm like, yeah, I could probably do this. But so much of it just, you know, depends on location. Oh yeah. And yeah, the raw economics of your area dictates so much when it comes to a store, right? Right. So it's just like eh, is is this the right spot? Like I don't know. There was like for example, like a place in Renton that I I probably could have purchased and it it would have been like an okay time to do it, but I was just like I I honestly just like don't think that like all of this, you know, just everything surrounding it is a good idea like is going to mm-hmm. work out. So. Yeah. Yeah, and you really need it all to hit. Or at least some of it, something to be like, yeah, you know, like this, this can, this can be the thing that I lean on and like gives me some hope or whatever. But it was just, it was too many red flags and definitely not enough green ones. So It's always fascinating to find the businesses that do find success. There's a LGS in my area that just opened a play space, like a warehouse sized play space and like five bucks to get in or something. No, you just go play their events. I mean, maybe for like open play, it works that way. I, I don't know. But the fact that anywhere can support a warehouse sized play space, like it, it just opened recently in the midst of like the end of the pandemic. Don't it, don't say end of the pandemic. Sure. Uh, look, I, I, I know. I know there's, you know, whatever. We're, we're pretending that's the case, but you're right. Not the end of the pandemic. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating that they have found the capital and the success to be able to do that. Yeah, that, that just seems weird to me. It's like, what what is their business model? I don't understand. I, d- I do not know. I couldn't even guess. There might exist an area where you could run it just off of tournaments and, you know, you, you have to take a significant rake, right? Yeah. And maybe it's just like it's, it's, it's top heavy enough or something to where you get people to buy into it or whatever. But it's like, if it's just a warehouse, it's like you're not... You're not serving food or anything. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, based on their schedule, it seems like they have tournaments in various card games every night. I only know specifically what has gone on. They just started running 
flesh and blood events. And like, I would go if there were enough people, but like the first time they did it, they got like seven people. Okay. So that doesn't justify a warehouse for sure. No. And the place I'm currently playing gets a, a, a quite a few more people than that. So there's no real reason for me to head that way. So if, if it's just like a bunch of events getting seven people, what do you need the warehouse for? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Uh, okay. Streamer showcase. Yes. This was a thing they brought back. Yeah. That seemed like a very short turnaround time. And like, it wasn't particularly well advertised or hyped or anything because of that, which I understand short time frame. Mm -hmm. And I did see a lot of it mostly because people were like, why is this person in and I'm not in or whatever. And that was the discourse for a few days. So in, in a way it did end up getting advertised. Just Huge success based, based on that metric. They irritated enough people that they got them to tweet about it. Yeah. So uh, going forward, I think what people would like to see, which is certainly not uncommon is just a little bit more transparency and having like clear guidelines or invite criteria and, like, for example, Twitch did this in a better way where, you know, before it was like, ah, just stream a bunch and then ask if you can be partner and then we'll say yes or no. And it's just like, well, I got denied, but like, why? And they just don't tell you. And now they have kind of clear guidelines and they also made a step in between that where you become like an affiliate before a partner, but you can even still like check all the boxes for partner apply and then just get turned down. So it's, right. it's still not 100% cut and dry, but something like that I think would be cool for magic to shoot for but also like why keep it super small i guess is the question because one of the things that kept popping up was people just sitting around with like six players in the draft queue and that is not good yeah really poor planning i don't know this stuff just makes me very angry uh it makes me feel very unappreciated and exploited when not me personally i don't care i don't i didn't want to participate in this i ultimately wouldn't and I didn't ask to be invited. And uh, I, I was back in the old form. I think I was invited a couple times. I only played in it once. Other than that, it didn't really excite me. The games were not good. There was still a lot of instability. It was a huge mix of people who like were trying and people who were not trying. And there really wasn't anything to learn from it. So not a huge fan of the program. But this go around, just to see people who like have actually dedicated their lives to magic and are active streamers, like still out there streaming all the time, being passed over and not able to participate in this. It's, I don't know. It, it leaves such a sour taste in so many people's mouths. And I think justifiably so. They are not being treated the way they should by the folks organizing this program. And I don't think it's like malicious. None of this stuff is ever malicious. That's what's so frustrating about it. I don't think they mean to exclude anyone. They just don't have a particularly well-run program that is capable of getting these invites into the right hands. And until you do, shelve it. Like You don't have to rush this out and make a giant feel bad for a bunch of people because every instance of someone being unappreciated is someone's last straw where they're just like, why am I giving all this time to this company that just like won't give anything back to me and makes it clear that I'm entirely disposable and replaceable? You think of someone like LSV not being invited to the streamer showcase, which I am pretty sure is true. Maybe that got remedied at some point. I don't know. But I, I did see at some point a tweet about not being invited. And I, that's just one, 
Martin Juza was another person who couldn't get an invite. You're talking MPL members, Hall of Fame members who have made content for 20 years and you can't take the time to invite them to your streamer showcase. It's just, it's actually offensive, I think. I agree with you that it's not malicious and that it is, at least in this instance, simply a product of not having a system in place. And I would like, I, I like the fact that it happens. Like if they decided that they wanted to bring it back at some point and had enough time to throw it together for this one, even if it's imperfect, I would have much rather seen them just like pull the trigger on it the way that they did and just make sure that it happens instead of not, even with all the feel bads. And then wait and see how the next one goes. And if there are still those issues, well, okay, then we have a problem, you know, because now you had like three months to figure it out. But Jerry, how easy is it to like, just say that, just be like, look, we launched this program our fault. We didn't mean to exclude anyone. Sorry about that. We'll make sure we get you on the next pass. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Then it's, that, this is done. Like it's just that'd done. Be great. That'd be great. You can't take the time to like, it's just this unwillingness to make the people who give so much to your game feel important. Like you can't throw them that bone to let them know, yes, we appreciate you. We see what you're doing for us. And because they don't, <laughs> you know, it's like they, they pay attention to some people, but you know, but then then you are crossing the line into maliciousness, right? Where if you yeah. can't take the time to recognize if, someone's if no one is if no one is technically in charge of it, then no. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. Then it's just malfeasance, right? Like you're just not putting resources where they should be. Well, yeah, I I agree with that. But if they were just like, we're not going to do this anymore, then I would kind of understand. But since they, so they switched it, right? They used to have the showcase before the pre-release and then yep. the, the actual release happened like pretty soon after that. This seems now, like a really good change, by the way, changing the order of the pre-release. I, I think that was smart. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I mean, you saw like just so much hype mm-hmm. on, on social media about p- people attending the pre-release and how much fun it was and everything. And then you have the showcase two days after that. And then you have the release two days after that. I think that that's a fine window. I think that, Maybe you could like move them up to be like back to back to back or something, but yeah, consecutive days. That makes you know, sense. There, there are reasons to give people like a breather in between. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I get it. I understand why it's on the schedule and the schedule seems pretty damn good to me, honestly. Uh, yeah. With a better implementation, I agree with you. I think it's a good setup for the way things should be rolled out. It was weird to see the pre-release stuff happening and then know that you had to wait almost a week to play it online. And then the showcase thing happened. It's like, okay, that's a, a good way to kind of like, I don't know, bridge the gap, I suppose. But that that announcement like didn't even come until later. I didn't even start hearing about it until like Sunday or Monday. I don't remember which. Let me propose a, a little different framework for you and let me know if this does anything for you. These pre-release events, until they happen, the spoiler is not complete. Does that interest you whatsoever? Because you you time the spoiler, right? Like you can you can yeah. make it happen whenever. So basically, you don't put the entire spoiler up on the website until the day after these pre-releases finish. You do previews. I'm not saying like give up on preview season. You know, show some cards, but you don't just put everything out there, and you leave some small element of surprise still in those packs for players. Yeah, do but you like you, that. I don't know. I mean, it it just gets solved so quickly, right? It's like. There's there's someone at the first store that has the first pre-release that is running around taking pictures of all yep. the unpreview cards or whatever. I agree. Is is that actually bad? 
I don't think it's bad. It's just kind of silly. It's like you could just drop the last 60 commons like they have been doing, you know? I, I think why they were doing that before was that leaks were more common. Yeah. And that sort of cuts down on those because imagine that it's like the Thursday before the pre-release and, you know, they've gotten through maybe a half or three quarters of the set or something, but then some store opens their product early or whatever yeah. and, and spoils the rest of the set. It's just like, well, that that's just kind of silly. That, yeah, that should that, not happen. That sucks. I, you know, I'm certainly not for that experience. I don't know. There's, I, I think that there is a certain amount of, like excitement that that could happen as a result of that. But it's also just kind of weird. It probably won't shock you when I reveal that this is how flesh and blood does their releases. <laughs> and uh, I will tell you it's, it's only really happened once because in, at least in my time with the game, there's only been one limited play focused release, but there was a bunch of cards previewed and then they had the grab like big premiere event, which was a sealed deck tournament and things started leaking out, including the Fabled, which is like the the rarest card that appears in every single Flesh and Blood set. And nobody had seen it until it was opened at the first pre-release event. And that was a really, really cool moment where like you saw this big, splashy, beautiful foil for the first time. And then the first one sold for some preposterous amount because it was the first one ever opened, the first one seen. But it, it was just a really like it was almost like the mystery booster experience where you didn't know exactly what you were going to get. You knew yeah, a lot of it, yeah, but it was really exciting. All of your points against doing it that way are fair though. I don't think you're saying anything that I don't agree with. It's just a question of like, what thing do you want to prevent and what thing do you want to lean into a little bit? And I, I would be down with a release schedule that was like preview, you know, 50% of the set, but leave some surprises for pre-release weekend. Yeah, I could see that. And I, I could, totally see a world where they want to kind of like lean into that hype because part of my thinking was that, well, you preview either the majority or all of the set and that lets people decide whether or not they actually want to attend the thing. But now maybe they want to attend the thing just to like see the stuff. Yeah. The experience. I mean, think about, I remember when the mystery boosters were revealed at pro tour Richmond, I had the option of like playing the, it was either the last chance qualifier or their mystery booster event, which had no like competitive play aspirations tied to it whatsoever. I chose the mystery booster event because that's an experience that you just can't get. It was a one-time thing. Sure. Yep. Nobody knew what was going on. And I, I'm very glad with that choice. In retrospect, that's something that I'll always have. It was fun. It was exciting. It was unique in my magic career. And I, I think there is an appeal of being like the first person to participate. You talk about things getting leaked early. I mean, it's easier to Twitter blackout yourself for a day than to try and completely disengage from preview season where it's all anyone in the magic space talks about. Yeah. So I don't I, know. I, I agree. I mean, it, it's not like, Oh, this, this one individual is going to get ruined for it. It's just like you set up all, all this work in this infrastructure to try and create this hype. And then it just gets ruined basically for everyone. If someone doesn't follow the rules. And right. I feel like that is just like so likely to happen, you know, because people yeah. suck. So <laughs> uh, you're, you're not wrong. That is true. And I mean, magic's bigger than flesh and blood, right? So yes. I, I imagine that like, information moves much faster. Well, there's, there's just like more of those cards in more hands and more places for it to possibly leak on the timeline. Very true. Stuff, so. Yep. Yep. I, I think points. it's more likely to happen, but it, yeah, I mean, if you decide that like that 
aspect of an event is really awesome and you want to try and lean into it, then they should absolutely try and do that. Yeah, maybe it's something you can't do all the time, but with like a mystery theme set, you know, where there's like something being determined. What was it they did with the new Phyrexia and like, like there were two basically products that they previewed uh, uh, and it would be yeah, a different was, one based on which side won the battle. It was mirrored in whatever and yeah. new Phyrexia. That was, that was really cool. I mean, I'm not saying you need to do this all the time or you need to take this new approach to every single preview season, but as a special event, I think it has some merit. Yeah. I would be down with that. I just hope it works. That's all. Right. No, it's a shame if something like that gets spoiled. You put a lot of effort into it. And uh, then you you also lose control over the information, right? Like you would rather be the, as the business, you'd ba- rather be the one disseminating it than Joe Blow's Twitter account that just decided to crack right. boxes. Yeah. But they're facing that now anyway. I mean, there's a huge amount of spoilers out there for uh, the Baldur's Gate commander set. Exactly. Right now, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else about the streamer showcase? Uh, Ob looked absurd. I, I didn't watch a ton of it, but I did watch a little bit. And I'm glad we had that as a number one card because we would have looked very silly otherwise. <laughs> I'm shocked how good it was. And I thought it was the best card in the set. So I thought it looked really good too. I didn't get to watch much and it seemed like there were more people doing limited or meme type stuff versus yep. really heavy spiky stuff. So for sure, I, never take too much away from the streamer showcase. We've, yeah, we've certainly I, learned that now. So I, I get it. I understand why, you know, people lean into that stuff, but it's just like, well, there's, there's not really a person for like audience of me's, but I understand right. that I'm the minority. So yep, I would have loved to just watch someone, you know, like try and like build the best decks or play the best decks or whatever. But then it's also weird because you're, you're playing against, I don't know. Against bad know, decks. Yes. Five five color 11 drops, which I saw a lot of. Yeah, that was always, like I said, I did not love, I participated, I think once in the streamer showcase and I was like, there's nothing for me to gain here and yep. nothing to actually learn. So is what it is. Uh, also arena related, we have Explorer. It is Explorer, right? Not just You're right. Explorer. Yeah, you got it right. Okay. Fake pioneer, almost pioneer. Pioneer light. Yeah, almost, almost there. We'll be there in you several know, years. Yeah, three Gerald. to five years. Three it to five. It will take years. several years until it's there. Don't get it twisted. You got a long way ahead of you. But hey, at least we're well on our way, you know. And it seemed initially, at least, people were pretty excited to like get in and dig into the format and see what you could do. Uh, it definitely looked like the cards that were pretty offensive in Historic were also very offensive in this format. Just, you know, things like Fires of Invention, Omnath, that type of stuff. Like the yep. things you would expect. Yep. So probably not great. Might need some uh, massaging, I suppose. But I don't know. I think this is a good alternative. This is basically what folks on Arena wanted, uh, you know, without the alchemy, without adding random brainstorm to the format and stuff like that. So I'm glad that this exists. Yeah. I mean, they need a carve out for people who want to play with real magic cards in real magic formats. That has to be part of who arena is servicing and it doesn't have to be everyone. It could even be a minority, but it's got to be part of the equation. I think they need to do a better job with their products and serving the, uh, I only want to play with real cards. People, 
and making it easier to kind of distance yourself from the arena nonsense, if that's what your goal is. For me personally, I don't ever want to see any of these things again. I don't want to have to buy any of them. I want an analog to paper magic from arena and nothing else. And this existing, you know, along with other things we're going to talk about throughout the rest of the show, it has me waffling a bit on my arena opinion. I said a few weeks ago, I was definitely done. I'm, I'm debating a, a streets pre-order at this point. I think uh, they're starting to offer some some play models as well as some options that are appealing to me. So I have to, again, reevaluate my stance on arena for what feels like the millionth time. I, but I mean, changing your opinion is good. Yeah. You know, uh, updating with new information. That's exactly what this is before it. It was just like, well, grinding ladder is not for me. So I can't participate in organized play. Playing with fake cards is not for me. So I can't do alchemy and uh, maybe historic, depending on where your line is. And yep. Things have now changed. Uh, like we we have an almost real paper analog format that will eventually become real. Granted, it might take some time, but whatever. And maybe standard is relevant. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I, I would, e- even if you're going to get back into arena, I would still maybe caution against pre-ordering just because the set is sort of low power level uh, for pioneer type stuff. I mean, with, with Explorer, it could be wrong i could be wrong on that but yeah so so here's why i mean props to the marketing department they got me i think you get five mythic boosters as part of your pre-order this go around i recall reading so that's like incentive to do the pre-order for sure you already get the i don't know which planeswalker is in the pre-order package i haven't opened arena to look at it uh, but you always get a planeswalker to go with your pre-order so you end up ahead of mythic in that fashion i saw ob I don't know if it was the Planeswalker or the Sleeve version okay. or whatever. But. I mean, Ob would be wild. Uh, you're certainly going to need a large number of those in whatever format you're going to play. So that incentivizes a pre-release for sure or a pre-order. So, yeah, I'll have to look at exactly what's in the packages. But one thing I wanted to say is that they're serving these two player bases, but they're still trying to tie everything together and like wink and a nod rope you into this stuff. For instance, they mentioned in their article that there's going to be new Pioneer cards added via the next Historic Anthology set. Right. I so, don't want Historic <laughs> cards. I right. don't want them. Like, I don't care anymore. I'm done. I'm so, I'm officially off of your nonsense digital formats with your uh, nerfs and buffs and changes. I, I just don't want to participate. But if I want to buy these cards, I have to buy the Historic Anthology. Now, the wildcard model, like, complicates that a little bit, right? Because I could always just use wildcards to do it. But it's usually pretty efficient to do the anthology route. Like you end up with a good return for your dollars in. Depending on what the set is. Yeah. At least as far as arena goes too. I mean, that's always very relative, but yeah, it's like 35 bucks and you get a bunch of like rares and mythics that are probably playable, but like there, there were definitely a few where I was like, I'm just going to craft this one card because I don't need the rest of this crap. For sure. For sure. I remember going back and forth even when I was fully invested in historic. So that's a good point, but it's, it's virtually impossible for this set to now be like a slam dunk for me because I don't care about the historic cards. So I think they need to do a better job of just sort of separating things. Like you have this play blade, which I hate, but if you just had like a filter, don't show me the fake events. Yeah. I I would be all about that. That would be great. I mean, that, that would be cool, but they, they could also just make it a lot easier. I think where it's like, Oh, you know, default to this format or just make it very clear 
what the formats are. Maybe let you reorder them so you could put like your favorite ones on top or something. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. A a million UI optimizations are available whenever they want to add them. So yeah. I I mean, for me, it would usually be, you know, don't show me limited events. Don't show me alchemy. Maybe, maybe historic. Like you can, you can put historic in there. That's fine. I'll play it sometimes. Like if you need me to or whatever. And then if there are like big organized play relevant events, like show me those two. Yep. That all makes sense. I will say uh, anecdotally, this is completely anecdotally, could be wrong. I'm I'm not hard forcing this opinion at all. I'm hearing about longer queue times for players. I just haven't been playing much arena lately, so I'm not, I'm not even going to give my own experience. I'm just hearing about it from other people who say they're spending a lot of time in queues waiting for matches. Do you know if that's like high mythic or just in general? I've just heard it from multiple people in general, uh, you know, at all levels of the ladder. Okay. So it does seem like something I've heard probably from more people who are in the high mythic range, but I don't think it's isolated to them. I've I've heard it at lower levels as well. Yeah. I mean, regardless, they always pair like high mythic against like the 1200s anyway. Sure. Or, or just, I mean, I've, I've certainly been in mythic and gotten paired against platinum players without a doubt. It it happens. So yeah. Uh, Anecdotally, Q times starting to go up. A lot of ways to play Magic on Arena right now. Too many? Like, uh, at least in terms of interest, I haven't had anyone mention Alchemy in a very long time in any of my spaces. Yeah. So, uh, so in, 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 that, in that regard, I think it's fine because, yeah, there are a lot of ways to play, but now you can mostly split it between paper analogs and not. That's all the more reason for setting up the UI better to emphasize those true. things, right? Yeah, but I, I don't think that them as a company, they want to close you off to that stuff. No, like they, they, they want to and they're, they're probably correct. Honestly, like in terms of selling stuff, they are doing it the right way. I am, I am speaking more from my preference as a user than what they should do as a business for yeah. sure. Yep, yep, yep. In regards to queue times though, I remember when it came out on mobile and my queue times were bad. And mm-hmm. I, I imagine that a lot of people you're talking to are playing on PC, but I know that there were a, like not a bunch, but some instances of those things being kind of wonky where it's like, well, if, you know, if your queue time exceeds a minute and a half, just, just like, restart. Yeah. Just cancel and restart and you'll probably get a match immediately. And it's like, yeah, s- something is going on there. Right. And those sorts of things have happened before. So I don't know if it's just players, you know, leaving the platform or whatever, or if there is actually something going on. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like I said, no idea either. I do know though that's a big part of joy of using the platform. I, one of the things is just like you want to get in a match right away, and I notice it a lot because I was playing a lot of Arena at the time when Yu Gi Oh came out, and I started playing the Yu Gi Oh client. And matchmaking Yu Gi Oh is instantaneous. Like mm-hmm. no matter what level you're at, just within two seconds you're in a match, and I'm like shit, I hate waiting in these arena queues. Like even when things are good in the arena queues, you usually wait like 30 seconds, right? It's not instantaneous. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh was two, three seconds every time. So why am I waiting so long for arena? And you realize that it it just bogs you down and weighs on you after a while. And you prefer the snappier experience. I think stuff like that uh, subtly matters, but does really matter. Uh, I mean, it could also be an issue of splitting their player base into a bunch of different formats too. That is my concern. And at some point you're going to have to temper that a little bit i think like you can't just make formats forever and what do you do though now that you've made these formats like say you admit alchemy doesn't work or 
you want to start distancing yourself from historic now that you have this eternal format you can't really do that anymore like you've sold a bunch of goods that have no other purpose that are specific to these things you're kind of in it for the long haul like i don't see how you get out of alchemy short of throwing a bunch of wild cards around and they're never going to do that ever 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 they have no interest in giving out extra wild cards not, so not wild cards but you could do the alchemy packs as as like a, a back out like you if no. you decided oh, you yeah. to close if you, off if the you just abandoned format. it. No, I was thinking yeah. more of like, how do you recruit more people? No, no. Recruit. Yeah. Recruiting. You can do that for sure. And that's an, a whole nother discussion. I'm saying if you're ever like, whoa, we have too many formats like they did on Magic Online, by the way, like this isn't unprecedented. Yep. They said we I was have split about that the player too. base too far. We have to get rid of block, which was a very beloved format for a lot of people, but they, they axed it on Magic Online. How can you do that on Magic Arena? I don't think you can. I think you have to run these things forever. Well, more so what happened on Magic Online is that they removed just like total number of queues because they had like the five, four, yep. two twos or whatever. And then they had eight fours and it was like, no, nah, screw it. We're just going to do only, I don't even know, remember which one they did. I, I think they just solidified to like five, four, two twos or something. I think, I think you're correct. Yeah. And I, I do like that change where it's like, well, if you want to play historic, for example, it shouldn't be, here's a historic seven round event and here's a ladder and here's casual play. It's just like, well, you just get this, like you just get one cue. And mm. I think that that's completely reasonable. And well, guess I, what? I guess what, Gerald? They could do that. that they're not though. But, they but have not. just gone completely the opposite way. As far as putting players into queues and uh, aligning play experiences, they, they have added basically leagues now. So they've added yet another way to play further fracturing these player bases. I mean, they just must have such a wealth of players that they don't fear this whatsoever. Like their numbers have to be absurd to not even consider like, what are we doing to our player base by splitting them up this much? But if you're at the same time relaying issues of long queues, do they? Will they always? Like all of these are very good questions. And I don't think they left themselves any outs, not only with Alchemy. Alchemy is such a weird case because not only do I not see them having a way to abandon the format, I think they've priced themselves into supporting it forever. Yeah. Like they just have to make an alchemy set for every single set that comes out. And that is so much extra work, so much development, so much strip mining of more design space. Like it's a huge, huge cost that they've incurred. And I don't know how they get away from it without massively pissing people off. Well, I, I think that two ways they could do it are just be a little bit more generous with alchemy cards in general. So like if you, maybe if you pre-order a set, then you also get like a, a fourth or like, a quarter of the alchemy set when it comes out or something. Always what it should have been. It always should have been an add on, not an extra product, but probably that, that uh, doesn't make money. So. They could just be more generous giving out like the alchemy booster packs for prizes. They, they could just like value them less than an actual booster pack. Basically like maybe just make them more easier to buy. They could yeah. also not make alchemy the format that it is where I don't know, maybe instead of just being like at max eight sets, it's just like, well, now it's it's just, you know, nine to 12 or something. Sure. Further distance it from yeah. its like standard analog. Sure. Because then it makes it an even more different format. And it means that your cards have a little bit more longevity if you're on the fence about investing in it. Yeah, so like, I didn't even think about the fact of how wild it is that not only are these alchemy cards nonsense. They just rotate. Not real. They yeah. also rotate. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. So I, I think that alchemy should probably exist as 
like old extended basically where it's maybe like four years of stuff. Okay. Then, then maybe it gets like a little close to historic, but I think it's still different enough, especially like the, the more time goes on, right. The more different it's going to feel. Yeah. It's just the uh, trying to make alchemy a product that you sell was just the, the misstep. It's such an interesting proposition. It's a great space to learn things. It's a great space. Is to it experiment. bad though? Do we know, like, did they not make a bunch of money off this? Cause I feel like they probably did. Oh, I, I bet they made a bunch of money. Did they make a good format that like people care about? No, I don't think you could possibly make that argument. No, they, they tricked a bunch of people and yeah. they got paid and who cares? That's, Probably, you know, that's, that's maybe not the best outcome, but it's like the second best outcome. Short-term thinking, man, that, that only pays you for so long. Well, okay, so the, the flip side to all this, you're talking about short queue times and splitting these queues and, you know, splintering the player base. Maybe the player base is is piecing out. Well, now things are getting a little bit better in that regard, too, because there's more of a fully fleshed out, organized play system on Arena Mm-hmm. which is good. And yep. that links to organized play coming back in real life, which I'm sure is going to get like a bunch of people out of magic hibernation. And man, can you imagine just being like, you know, sitting out of magic throughout the entirety of the pandemic up until like organized play comes back. And then it's like, well, I guess I got to get into arena. Like how much money do you have to spend? I don't even know. I mean, if you're trying to engage with it as like a, the way we used to engage with magic as like we own everything and we shift our decks around and we understand the entire format and we play every matchup, a mind blowing amount of money. I, even if it's just, I want to put together one tier one deck for every format. Yeah. I mean, five or $600 would be my quick guess. Uh, it, it seems at least that probably more, but whatever. I guess, I guess though, some people did like price out what happens if you buy, just buy a standard deck using the, the wild card, the $50 wild card packages. <laughs> when, when a lot of the standard decks have like 50 rares in them. Yeah. Well, it most, it came out cheaper than I thought it would. They, they mostly came out to either 150 or $200 for a standard deck, which was less than I expected. Quite frankly, I'm not saying it's a good deal, but I, I thought the number would come in way higher. I don't know how that changes for historic. I don't know if it gets higher or lower, but like, uh, I don't, I don't want to say these words. If you're saying like it costs $150 to buy a deck, that starts to sound okay. That, Until you realize like there's no transferability and you don't actually yeah, of own course, anything. There, and, yeah, there, there are problems inherent, of course. But if it's just like, I want to play in a PTQ, I want to look at whatever the best deck is and just, yeah. you know, almost basically buy it outright. It's like, well, yeah, now they have the wild card package, I guess. You could just do that. And if it's 150 bucks, that's pretty cheap. But I do think that that's probably the average uh, for standard decks for the amount of rares that you'd need. And there, there are definitely decks. I mean, especially now when we're in like three color world and yeah, yeah. The just, you know, you have one basic and the rest of your lands are rare. It's just like, it's already a lot. It is. It is. And uh, I, I mean, every other form of magic has the transferability, right? If you bought that $150 deck on magic online, barring cataclysmic emergency bands, you sell it the next day for $125. And if you bought it in paper, you bring it to the dealers and you get $80 back for it. So there's there's always some transferability. And in some cases, you actually have potential for, for gain in both those scenarios. Like, should you hold that thing, you may eventually end up with something more valuable. Well, now, n- not for standard, but yeah. not for Probably not for standard. Although, like, 
I am sure you can find examples of just like you held on to an entire standard deck and 95% of it is worthless, but this one thing you held on to makes up for all the costs you spent. Great Henge or you you, right. you pre-ordered Meat Hook Massacre for 15 bucks or whatever. Correct. All of those things do happen. They've happened to be a bunch throughout my Magic career. And uh, I, I've certainly done well by hanging on to my Magic cards. There's no potential for that whatsoever with Arena. It never works out that way. So I... I would amplify all these costs when we say the numbers and you're trying to compare them to magic online equivalents or paper equivalents, like multiply them by two or three, I think to actually get a fair picture of the financial impact of buying this thing. Yeah. But if if you're just looking for accessibility and total amount of like startup for buy-in, it, it sounds lower. It does. Or whatever and that's like a, worth. I, I'm no, not saying it's it, a good deal. I'm just saying no, no. that. I'm, I'm right there with you. The numbers surprised me with how low it was. I thought it was going to be a lot higher. Yeah. I, I, I think I think that that number is still low. <laughs> I think it's probably a little bit higher than that, depending on a lot of things. But yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Because there's, there's still, you know, whatever tournament entries and whatever too. So. Sure. That's never the only thing. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned, Arena is basically going to have leagues. Are these... Are these going to be happening at, at all times, basically? Instead of like, you know, the yeah. weekend format challenges, these are just ongoing forever? That's the way it looks to me. Yeah, it looks like these always exist. I am excited about these, quite frankly. Like, this is how I want to be able to engage with Arena. I do not Same. ever want to touch a ladder again. Yep. No interest in that. But this is like, I get into the event, I try out my stuff. Uh, in a lot of instances, I get my investment back. I queue up again. I kind of can build a collection this way. Like you have to be a very winning player who knows how strong these leagues are going to be. Like I expect a lot of good players will move over to these leagues as opposed to ladder play, but maybe not. Maybe I have that wrong. Maybe a lot of people still want that spot on the ladder and you know, there's still incentives tied to the ladder. You can still qualify via placement on the ladder. So maybe people will still be chasing those. I will not be, I will be doing this and uh, happily doing so. Also, if people move away from ladder, then you're incentivized to then play ladder because it's softer, easier. Sure. Right. Absolutely. So that, that could ebb and flow as well. Uh, I agree with you. This is this is basically what I want to do. You can play like seven rounds, best of one, or you know, five rounds, best of three. And they award you play-in points mm-hmm. that you can use to play like qualifier qualifiers instead of having to grind ladder to qualify. So, Love it. Perfect. Love it. Uh, anything that lets me potentially engage with OP without touching a ladder has my interest. And I, as soon as I saw this announcement, I was like, this is a, this is an organized play I can engage with. I was never going to engage with the ladder framework. And again, like my decision was time to be done with arena. Then all this stuff happened. And this is a mode of play that works for me as a player. And now I'm reconsidering, you know, do I, do I want to play some of these leagues do i want to use the play in points to play the qualifiers i still don't love the qualifier weekend thing not my favorite setup same if i'm not having to suffer through a month full of ladder to qualify for it it becomes a lot more appealing Uh, the most frustrating thing still remains the like two hour window that you have to register yeah there's yeah i don't think anyone can defend that it's obviously like a, a programming problem and i don't know why things happen that way yeah it's it's weird it's awkward it leads to so much feel bad every single time, no matter what, like how, how long it's been around or anything, you still see people that are like, oh, I guess I missed it. And, yep. and those are only the people who choose to post about it. This is this is like the same argument that when I say, you know, testing for 
availability to participate in a PTQ system doesn't necessarily generate the best players for your pro tour. And you should be able to like subvert that system and get into it. And people go, well, part of what you're testing for is the commitment and the ability to show up and, and put in those hours. So this is just doing that, Jerry. This is just testing for that ability to show up, click the register button in those two hours. And if you can't do that, you're not worthy of playing in these arena championships. Like it's just very clear. I don't know, man. I would still want Michael Majors playing in my pro tours. I, I think there's a good argument that a lot of great players. And, you know, he's he's not, he's showing up to the PT like with, I don't know, 57 cards and they're mm-hmm. not sleeved and yeah. they're not sorted. He doesn't have his deck list written out, you know, but it's like he, Perfect. he figures it out. And then for the arena thing, it's like he's he's not getting out of bed before 11 or whatever, right? Like he's not going to wake up at eight and then go back to sleep and not, not to pick player. on Michael. Michael's no, incredible, it's, obviously. Still, but. It's still a good magic player. And you're right. The Pro Tour is better for having people like Michael participate. So, yeah, I, there's there's no defending this. It's, it's just a, a silly thing that I don't think anyone wants it to be the way that this goes. It's just a fault in something. The, the best part about... <laughs> The, the random adventures with Michael Majors was very much like, all right, man, I'm, I'm here. I got I got the 57 cards, you know, help or whatever. It's just like, can you, can you sleep? Can you tell me what I'm missing? Can you fill out a deck list or whatever? It's like, yeah, sure. And then just like going through the stuff. It's just like, I, I don't even know where the cards came from because I don't know. You see like, there's like three lightning bolts from the same set. And then there's like a fourth edition one that looked like someone ran over it with their car <laughs> or whatever. And there's just like a random, like Portuguese altered version of a card. Or so. It's like, what the, where did you get these cards? Perfect. Exact, exactly. As it was designed. His deck has like four different basics in it. Yeah. I'm thinking about like the rally rally, the ancestors deck. And it's like, Oh, I'm just missing a planes or whatever. Like no one had a planes. Like, <laughs> Damn dude. Look, that's part of the appeal of the magic tournament experience. You're just out there hustling, trying to find your last few cards. It's, it, all... it's, it's just truly incredible. The, like the, the, the range of emotions that you feel on any given weekend, depending on who you're hanging out with can be very extreme. Yeah. I just can't live my life that way. I don't know how people like that do it. Like I have my, my, I, I need to, before I head to the event site, have every single card I might potentially want to play in my possession. Otherwise I will have a meltdown. Uh, I need to probably have a printed version of my deck list, which I've reviewed 30 to 40 times to make sure there's no deck reg error. I probably have a written sideboard guide that I will certainly not follow, but just the process of doing it is like important to me. And then there's people who are just like, yeah, I I only have 24 of the cards I need. Can we get the rest of them? Uh, The event starts in four minutes. And I don't, I don't know how you live that life. I've, I've been on both ends of it. I don't know that I've ever had like every single card, you know, like there are, there are definitely times where I come up with an idea and it's like, Oh, I want to play two of this kind of obscure card. I think like, you know, peace Strider or like Jorubai Merklerker, like those sort of things like make their way into my sideboard. And then it's like, damn, I know no one is going to have these. And like, do I want to spend money on booster packs to just like try and crack one, you know, like that, that stuff happens a decent amount of the time. I've had that happen to me in a few occasions. Sage of Epitier comes to mind oh, for yeah. Pro Tour Amsterdam, where we decided with like actual probably thousands of games in on our deck list that we had just overlooked this card. And five minutes before, we we're like, oh, yeah, we're definitely supposed to be playing it. 
And I don't know where we got ours. I think like Brett Blackman just had a stack of Sage of Epicures with him. <laughs> See, and that's then, that's the funny thing too, is you just run into these people. They're like, oh yeah, I thought this card was going to be busted or whatever. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'm misremembering that. I would I would have to find out where we got our Sage of Epicures from. But it was, it was perfect. It was a great ad. And uh, very fortunate we were able to track that card down on short notice. Yeah, like the times when you do find the card, you just feel like a god. Oh, yeah. You're just like, nothing can stop me. And it just reinforces further bad behavior. And it doesn't even matter if the card is like good or unplayable over the course of the tournament. It's just like you you remember that high of like, oh, yeah, I got these. No big deal. Right. Yeah. At least you're already a winner, basically, at that point. There was a modern PTQ after one of the modern pro tours. And I was trying to find like three copies of set adrift for Phoenix. Okay. And I, I did not succeed and I just did not play in the PTQ. <laughs> so, you know, those things happen too. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I remember a PTQ where Ben Lundquist had talked a bunch of us into playing Tron, I think correctly. So, and we were all just kind of sitting there. And at some point, one person brought up having an annex Oh, and yeah. then at that point, everyone else had to scramble for an annex because if one person out of our group had the annex, they would have a huge advantage over everyone else in the group. Yep. Uh, so there was just a mad rush on annexes throughout the tournament hall at that moment. Yeah. That stuff is wild. I love that stuff so much. Same. Same. I, I hope we have stories like that to tell again sometime soon. Uh, as far as Magic Online Premiere Play, it looks mostly the same. So here's the thing about Magic Online Premiere Play, which is not readily apparent. And some people were upset about I, I don't think they should be upset. I think it's actually uh, correct. They did not like that the Magic Online qualifying stuff did not get you to the Pro Tour anymore. It gets you to the regional, the regional Pro Tour. Oh, okay. Those, those regional PTs are so much closer to an old Pro Tour, though, than like an RPTQ. That yes. I actually think this is fine. But... It is worse, right? Because it's still not getting you to the actual PT. For sure, it's. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to say like it's exactly equivalent, but I think like the actual PT as it exists now is a higher EV event than old PTs, and the regional PT is a lot closer to old PTs. So having Magic Online lead to the regional doesn't feel off to me. It feels like where it's supposed to lead to. And, you know, Arena isn't isn't jumping the shark either. It leads to the Arena Championship events, right? It's not sending you... The only way, I think, I might make a complete ass of myself right now. I think the only way to get to those actual Pro Tours is to go through the RPTQ system and then, like, or have Pro Tour success. Is is that correct? Uh, you know? I just kind of skimmed over it and it's just like, oh, yeah, qualification for blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, so full, full qualifier weekend structure. It says seven wins uh, on day two gets you gems, qualification for arena championship and pro tour once available. I don't know what any of that means, but. And pro tour once available. They're saying pro tour and not, not regional. regional. Pro tour. Okay. I could be wrong. It's interesting. I, I don't like one doing what the other can't when it comes to arena and magic online. I think they should put you at the same level of organized play with their own unique events and arena should have the arena championships, which they do magic online should have the mocks, which they do. Uh, that makes sense to me. But if, if one is leapfrogging you to the actual pro tour and one only Wait. inserts you in the 
regional pro tour, that's a little iffy to me. Okay, so I'm looking at the Magic Online stuff, and the Magic Online stuff also qualifies you for the arena PTs. Huh? Yeah. Say what? Yeah. Okay, that's that's weird. It says invitation, new competitive championship, MTG arena. How about that? So does it not? Is there no way to qualify for the regional pro tours either? Do I just have this completely wrong? I just controlled F for regional and got zero hits. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, where where did you see that stuff? I I heard people talking about it and like tweeting about it. So not a great source. I'll I'll admit my journalistic integrity is at question now. Um, well, I had these tabs open. I wasn't even reading. It. Like I just assumed that these were the things that it, it qualified you for. But then actually, yeah, looking at it, it's like, oh. Yeah, it, it does seem to not lead to what I expected it to. Interesting. Unless, like, you're looking at the premiere event calendar, right? Yep. Unless there is something separate from the premiere event quality, calendar, like there are actual, quote-unquote, PTQs as well as the premiere events. Well, you would think that it would show up on here. You would, Gerald. You You would. Because, I mean, th- these are like every few days, here's a PTQ or a super PTQ. Yeah. And then they qualify you for like mox related stuff or arena pro tours. So that's weird. All right. Well, let's assume I don't understand the Magic Online portion of organized play yet. It's probably okay for my purposes. Uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be out there grinding the Magic Online leagues and getting the QPs I needed to do this. But uh, it's odd. I, I expect, I expected unique paths for both these things, and I, I thought the system was laid out in a good way to support that. And I thought Magic Online would have closer ties to paper than Arena would. It seems like it has closer ties to Arena than paper, given this. It just it didn't even cross my mind that it would not qualify directly for the Pro Tour. My my statement of oh Magic Online looks the same. No, it is very different. It is much worse. It's weird. Yeah. Okay. Magic Online grinders. Tell us what we don't understand about this. Tell me how angry you are so I can channel your rage into a white hot ball of fire and deliver it through this podcast. It seems week. like they should be very angry. It's like, oh, you you have made a conscious choice to play Magic Online instead of Arena. Well, now you qualify for an Arena thing? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I maybe, guess. Maybe I mistook the anger. Like maybe I just didn't. Maybe, I know they were angry about something. That's the kind of goes without saying. Magic Online players are generally a pretty angry bunch. Not not saying they don't deserve to D- be. Disagree. To be angry disagree. About. I think I think the Magic Online people are just like I'm. I'm in my wheelhouse. I'm thriving. You know, this is what I do. I love it, and I don't expect you to understand me. And do you think that extends to their relationship with organized play, though? I think in terms of like using the magic online online client, you're spot on. Like they don't they don't want that other world. They're happy where they are. In terms of like being served by the broader game, I think they are often feeling quite excluded. Uh I think the mocks as it exists is kind of bad and does not promote them very well. And mm. oddly like gives out a bunch of money too. Yep. Uh so it's like, okay, good and bad, maybe, depending. And when you were just doing it for like challenges to, to win, you know, tickets and chests or whatever, and then cashing that out, it's like, that's fine. If you're using it to qualify for the pro tour occasionally, like that's cool. Uh, But I I don't think that anyone was ever like, Oh yeah. Like magic online is how I'm going to qualify for the pro tour and hit platinum or whatever. So I don't know. I, I don't think that that was ever 
that big of a deal. I think that the people who were like, oh, I'm only going to play in the PTQs and nothing else were the people who are just trying to qualify, you know, but they were not the people like grinding leagues and challenges and stuff necessarily. Interesting. But I, I do think that no matter what, this change is like net bad because it's like, well, now you have to go learn this client that you've chosen to not participate with. I right. hope that they are given accounts so that they don't have to like then also buy into it because oh, we're talking Lord. about. I really hope so. I, I would assume so because that's what they've done for like the past few. After we screamed at them a bunch, yes. True. It, that was not that was not always the case. They did fix it though. But yeah, this this is this is not great. I would much like certainly if you're not not casually, but uh just like incidentally playing in some of the Magic Online PTQs and you used to qualify for paper PTs and now you don't, I would be kind of upset about that. I'm looking forward to hearing more from our Magic Online friends about where they fall on this. I'm, I'm sure it's not pleased, but I want to know some more specifics. Yeah, the the mox is weird, man. I don't know why they split it into like these quarterly things. And it just seems like whenever it shows up, I just had no idea that it was happening. And like, oh, yeah, the mock sure. the mox was usually something that I liked watching. And when when I played in it, it felt like granted things things are different because now things had to be remote and everything. But like playing in one of those events that was just like 16 people invite only. It, it did feel really special and cool. Yeah. I, I think it was a highlight of the tournament year and it has certainly fallen back to afterthought territory. Yep. I understand how they got to that, but then it's still like, they're just putting up a bunch of money for it too, which is like kind of weird. <laughs> right. Very, very not wizards. Like I would say. Yeah. I don't know if there's some like weird contractual thing where it's like, Oh, we just got to keep, Throwing a bunch of money at them, and this We're is this, this trapped is in the mocks forever. Yeah, I don't know. Much like alchemy. Much like alchemy, uh, minus the money. Hmm. The opposite, actually. They just siphon money out of you, to, probably to then pay for the mocks. To pay for the mocks, yeah. We finally found the link. Ecosystem. Overall, though, I think that this stuff is net good. I mean, finally making strides toward getting Pioneer on Arena, which I think will be good, and. Yeah. Maybe that format will be kind of clown shoes in the meantime, but that's okay. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get there. And then Pioneer in real life, getting some love. I think that even if the format is not in the best place that it's ever been, that there's a lot to like about that. And I, I know that the format has a lot of like very devoted fans and followers and people who love mm -hmm. it. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who will grow to love it too. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, just more and more solidification around an OP system. Very, very good, net positive, and enticing a bunch of folks, including myself, to consider playing some more Magic, which is always what this stuff is supposed to be doing. So it's good to hear. Yep. And there were instances where I would play Arena on my phone uh, while just like sitting on the couch petting cats or, uh, you know, watching TV or streams or whatever. Pooping. And occasionally playing, you know, five matches on ladder in silver or whatever was never a good experience. But I think having these leagues to play in is just actually great. Yeah, yeah. It's a cool like nighttime on my iPad winding down for bed activity, like grind out a couple matches in my league. I, I could see that becoming part of my nightly routine. My iPad is too bad to run. No, the, the too old one. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think I upgraded mine when like Arena was coming around because I knew it might be something I want to do. So mine is mine is still good enough for Arena. Probably have to choose my decks pretty carefully. But, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, 
we'll, we'll make it work. Thankfully, I, at least if you're playing standard, I don't think that things are that bad. No, they've gotten better. I I think when I first was playing on my iPad was during the like, uh, there's 40 different zones. Like, uh, why am I blanking on the name of the card? Like Uro Ex- and the Escape wilds. from the Wilds. Yeah. Escape from the Wilds. Yes, that's that was the big thing. Yeah, that's um, bad. Yeah. So things have gotten better since that point, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, the decks are kind of like normal magic. Closer. Yeah. Still a little messed up in some regards, but at least, you know, it's mostly just like your hand and what's in play. Occasionally you go kind of wide, but you're not doing like scoot swarm stuff or anything. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, no, ex- no exponential growth out there. Yeah, it's mostly normal. Yeah, that's good. Although yeah, let's come back next week after we've played some with op and then we'll talk about how good things are. Well, true. Fair enough. Game. Good luck.